0: This interview was recorded on February 2nd, 2022. Since then, some of the free agency rumors discussed have become official. <laughs>
1: WNBA Draft, the Los Angeles Sparks select Candice Parker With the first pick in the 2011 WNBA Draft the Minnesota Lynx select Maya Moore from the University of Connecticut
0: going on everybody welcome back to another episode of rebel edition here on whichever streaming service you're using i'm your host bailey this week it's just me doing something a little different got a special feature coming for y'all i'm doing some features with some people from w twitter to help y'all get in the know of who's who today i've got chris williamson with me what's going on
1: what's up man how you living it's great to finally meet you
0: you know virtually uh, yeah yeah definitely uh,
1: you know, uh, for the name, you know, so to speak.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, we encounter each other through W. Lead at the time, and then it transferred over to the personal accounts. For those of you that don't know, Chris works in media in New York. What uh, what station are you with? Remind me. So
1: I'm at Sportsnet New York, S and Y, near cool. the home of the New York Mets, and partners with the New York Jets.
0: Got you, got you. So I got a cool thing with Chris here. Just gonna get to know him a little bit. And so y'all can follow him on Twitter and see what he's got for us throughout this W season when it comes up. To start this off, we're going to dive into some more fun stuff, nothing too crazy, just get a little bit of background on you. Like I you said, you're in New York, so yeah. I got a bunch of New York-themed questions for you. Are you ready? I want you to answer them with whatever you feel. You can go as long or short as you want to. Don't overthink it. Let's okay. dive into it. You ready? All right. Jay-Z or Nas? Jay-Z, come on, dog. Okay. Knicks or Nets. Knicks. Giants or Jets? Uh, jets. Mets or Yankees? Mets. Welcome to New York City or just New York by DMX, Jada, and Fadjo. We got a DMX. All right. So what's your favorite thing about New York? Uh, the food.
1: What's like the all best? the types of food, the cuisines, you know, are – you can never run out of options. That transfers pretty well. What's the best restaurant? Oh, God, damn bro! me there's so many there's so many. Me and my fiance we love we love muscles. They have some of the best muscles uh you can ask for. It's called flex muscles. That's top of the line. but also, uh, you know, catch uh, is another one where they got uh seafood based and it's meat based and then um, Tao, which is a Thai Asian cuisine, yeah, Asian cuisine. Uh, super fancy it's really well done the food is immaculate um, great ambiance a L- little dark but it, you know sets the mood you know so yeah th- those are ones that you know strike out to me uh top of my head
0: so when you say muscles you mean like the little, little
1: yeah the little shells. black shells yeah band that you take yeah and then they have the, the muscle inside <laughs> yeah okay
0: interesting yeah. i that was not what I was expecting to hear on that <laughs> one, but that that's really cool. That's yeah. that's pretty popular down here too. I don't we don't have that chain, but mussels in general are pretty yeah popular. And you can't go wrong with Thai food. Nah, you you can. And, and what type of cuisine was the middle one?
1: Oh, I said catch. So catch uh, catch actually they have a wide range of uh, food, So they got yeah seafood, steak, chicken, beef, uh, sushi. It's it's phenomenal. You, you definitely should try it. There's yeah, so many, man. Plant Plant the Queen, uh, which is a vegan-based restaurant. Yeah. They have some of the best uh, broccoli, like uh, Geno So's broccoli, and then dumplings. Oh, Dan, uh, Dan Dan Noodles. It's a creamy-based noodle type of dish, and it's got a little kick to it as well. You will be eating that up like I guess you know hamburgers and fries, or you know whatever your favorite favorite it. dish is. Um, and, and what, yeah, that that restaurant is top notch.
0: I love it. You're very well versed in the New York <laughs> food scene. I I didn't know that. Yeah. How, how long you been in New York?
1: So I've been in New York since 2018. Okay. November of 2018 is when I started here in the Big Apple.
0: God, and Jesus. I told
1: myself before, way before you know, I even got into media that i would never live here because my parents and my siblings and i we would always or we you know, always but we would go up to new york sometimes you know just to to catch a a broadway play or you know experience a different part of you know the states or visit you know relative and i just remember thinking this is nice this is a great place to to visit you know all walks of life and people in the restaurants but the dirtiness oh hell no i'm never doing that <laughs> and here i am here you are here i am here you are yeah. is that is that where you met your fiance no so i met my fiance over over twitter so oh, you okay. i mean you could say i met her when i was in new york uh, but it was through social media uh so yeah
0: that's a pretty cool story i, I didn't know that either that's that's yeah. awesome social media is a crazy crazy tool
1: it is it can be so toxic, but it also can be really uh, beautiful in terms of the connections you made, you know, like with my fiance and I, but also, you know, you and I uh, and other people that I've been able to get to know over there, uh, you know, through Twitter, Instagram, all that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's weird. People say social media isn't real and like it isn't, but it also kind of is.
1: Yes. You, if you know how to use it the correct way or if you are able to maximize the tools that it offers then yes it, it can be real otherwise it, it isn't because you, you're never gonna see those people anyway if you just stay in your little hole right and you stay in your bubble so to speak
0: right because it's, it's technically a social media network but not everybody gets on to network they just no just they do not throw whatever out there and yep they the worst tanks ever pretty much throwing stones into an empty pool, just letting it echo and bounce around. No one hears yeah. it. Uh, a little bit about you. How, how did you get into the sports media? When did it I got into
1: sports media, as I tell everybody who asked me this question because of my failed the NBA dream. I remember vividly, I think it was after, well, let me backtrack before the Duke fandom. My brother and I, we always, we were obsessed with Michael Jordan. We watched all his DVDs, you know, highlights the whole works, uh, Well, at that time VHSs and then DVDs, uh, but we wanted to be just like Michael Jordan, where a size 14, 6'6", six, six, dunking on everybody, flying in, in the air, just gliding, you know, like a ballerina um, and providing art to the, to the masses, and I worked my butt off for years, you know, over a decade, trying to get time to accomplish that, uh, but the Lord said, basketball ain't for you, brother. You need to Focus on something else because I got cut from my JV team, my sophomore year of high school. At that point, I had spent so much time, you know, going to basketball camps, getting shooting doctors, you know, my parents spending all their resources and and finances trying to help me achieve my dream. And it was clear you're just not cut out to be a hooper. And from that moment, I said, okay, I can't play basketball, but I want to stay connected. what's the best way to do that and I said well I want to talk about it or I want to write about it and at that point in time you know I made it my mission to figure out how to start working on my journalism skills so I would speak you know doing news announcements morning announcements from a high school and then I also would work for the student newspaper there and do feature articles as well as working for a high school sports website as an intern doing game recaps and some feature articles as well on you know lacrosse uh, basketball football and that's what really set the foundation for me becoming a journalist because i knew that my love for basketball and just sports in general wasn't going to stop at playing the game like i enjoy watching these magnificent athletes you know perfect their craft and i want to be able to to connect to them and and talk about it to people
0: that says a lot about you to be was sophomore in high school and realized that I'm not gonna go this one route but it's gonna inspire me to go another. Yes. That yeah. that that is incredible. That's a testament to you. Cause I, I got into this this thing a little later than that. And so I didn't really have I got into it pretty much after I had finished all of my schooling and things. Okay. So I, I kind of wish I could have had that moment. But that that's awesome. So after you got out of high school, yeah. Where did you head to next?
1: i went to syracuse only reason i went to syracuse because they had arguably the best communication schools in the communication school in the country Mm -hmm. and my parents didn't know they're like we go to syracuse what's in syracuse why would you want to go there It's cold as hell, you know cold upstate (laughs) new york but i told them and they they fully backed me uh with that that goal And thankfully, I I got accepted and I ended up majoring in broadcast journalism, broadcast and digital journalism for four years and with a minor in psychology. And then I also walked onto the football team my sophomore year after I didn't make the tryouts or I didn't make the team my freshman year. And I was able to do that for a couple of years before I had a knee injury. And then there were just some politics as far as what I could do with my broadcasting career while I was playing football I knew I needed to make a decision well I knew that I wasn't going to the NFL I knew I didn't have the dream of going to the NFL so I needed I had to back out and leave on my own terms and focus more on building my reel and getting my clips and experiences up so that when I did graduate you know I'd be ready to to rock and roll uh, for the in the professional world
0: So you walked onto the football team a few years after getting cut off the basketball team. Did you play football before? Like, did you ever? No, I never.
1: No, that's the thing. I was actually supposed to play football in middle, I think middle school, but there was a sniper shootings with, I forget, uh, I forget the names, but there's these two dudes that went around terrorizing the city. Um, I think it was John Lee Malvo or I forget the other name, but anyways, yeah, because of that, they, my parents didn't want me, you know, outside or anything of that nature. So I didn't have, I didn't play football then. And that's why I only started, you know, when I was a, a junior in high school after I had been cut, you know, because I, pl- I played lacrosse as well, you know, before going into my junior year, just because I wanted to, I wanted to hit people, right? That, that's what got me excited, uh, probably had to do with my aggression and, you know, still being upset, I couldn't play ball, but I was no magician with the, with the stick. The ball would always fall out. But if somebody is running with the uh, the ball and they got a lacrosse stick in their hand and I can, you know, give them a blindside shot, you absolutely know I'm going to deliver that punch. That's what okay. gave me the most satisfaction. But I was not a technician with the the stick at all.
0: Gotcha. So you just wanted to get out there and hit people pretty much. What position you play? Brother, well, I couldn't even, do,
1: I, I I say defend. I wasn't, okay, so uh, really going far back. So they have these things called, I'm sure you know, middies, uh, you know, long poles, I think is what the term is called. I was, I think I was a midi. I think I was a midfielder. Oh, gotcha. I didn't gotcha. have the long, long pole. Okay. So
0: uh, you just yeah. out there to be an enforcer, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So you, you've turned a lot of, I guess, rejection or maybe not, maybe that's not the right word, but you've turned a lot of kind of negatives into positives, right? When you yeah. Did-
1: now you can, you can call it rejection, but rejections always lead you, you know, if you're able to understand why you got rejected or why you uh, got told no, they lead you to a place where you're more comfortable or you're, you're going to find something that is going to be yours and one that will make you happy. Right. Because uh, clearly you were I was rejected from basketball for a reason. I just would have been wasting my time, you know, kept trying to try out for JV and then varsity uh, and basketball.
0: So you went to Syracuse, yeah. played football and you said you had to make that choice to go from football or to broadcasting. Yeah. You made the choice to go to broadcasting. Where did it lead you next? So I.
1: Because of football, I fell back in terms of my class uh compared to my peers. I didn't have the skill set or the experiences that I needed to come out of college and be ready to hit the ground running, you know, as a sports anchor and sports reporter. So for eight months, I didn't have I was applying to mad jobs. You know, I I, I lost count, you know, of all the jobs that I applied to. Thankfully, I was able to, you know, sharpen my skills like video editing skills, you know, working for my fraternity, uh, one of their nonprofits, and, yeah, doing video storytelling uh, for them behind the scenes work, as well as working for a high school uh, up-and-coming startup company that wanted to be the ESPN for high school sports. And I was their national high school football scouter. And so I would evaluate all these different talents from high schools in the DMV area, as well as, you know, across the nation, but specifically DMV. And I I was able to improve my reel because I had on-air clips from that experience where I would break down different players like, you know, Anthony McFadden, he does this well, and he needs to work on this, or Deion Jones, you know, he does X, Y, Z. It was actually Anthony McFarland, the math, guy. And that gave me more confidence as well as more uh, credibility to the jobs I was applying to. And eventually, I got a job in Wisconsin, Wausau, Wisconsin, uh, in 2015, in the end of February, early, early March. And I was the weekend sports anchor slash reporter. And I did that for two years, and I was able to really – that's where I was able to get my foundation as far as professional work and understanding how a real newsroom operates, not – the student TV newsroom uh, at Syracuse, which is great and all, but you don't have a whole bunch of egos and personalities uh, involved in addition to getting paid, you know, chump change, you know, you're always, you're doing it for free in in school to get that experience. But I learned a lot uh, from my time there. I call it the, I call it two year sentence because that's how, that's how I saw it. And that, that's how I, felt sometimes because of the environment I was in barely any black people cold as hell you know I've been in Syracuse so it's not that shocking to the body but the Wisconsin weather d- different you know the wind you know I know we we're talking about it off before we started the wind is is brutal uh, I had to get these massive boots that would hold up in the weather probably got five Five jackets, big old coats uh, to keep me warm, hand warmers—you name it. But I, I love what I was able to gain from that from that job because it let me know that I was meant for broadcast TV, right? And I'll tell you a little story when I when I first started, four weeks on the job, right? Wisconsin Badgers are on their way to the Sweet Sixteen to face UNC. We have a, a sports anchor who was about to leave and then we had my sports director they didn't want the sports anchor who's about to leave to to be the face i guess of the sweet 16 and the final four uh, so they had him stay at the studio the sports director had already had a prearranged vacation through the company to go to hawaii like he had to go there was no other choice and he wanted me to go to LA for the Sweet 16, all by myself, four weeks on a job. I'm nervous as hell because all the pressure's on me. It's a really big moment for Wisconsin fans and just how much they've loved watching their team. And especially based on what they did the previous year where they lost to Kentucky in a nail biter and a heartbreaker. And I remember I missed my first deadline uh, because one of the practices ran up really close to our five PM show Central Time. And at that point, after I missed the deadline, you know, I had a conversation with the news director and everything that's going on in my head was, yo, am I gonna make it? Is is this is this industry for me? Because I didn't have to make tight deadlines in college originally. Because of the football aspect, I didn't get as many reps and opportunities. I think maybe I'm not cut out for this. But then I got myself together and I said, they sent you out here for a reason. Uh, Nobody else is, nobody's coming to save your ass, right? Nobody is going to, you know, hold your hand. You have to be smarter in how you manage your time and also speak up and you got to do whatever's necessary to make that time slot and make sure you keep that damn job because you rarely get uh, that many chances in the professional workforce when you miss deadline. And after that, you know, I never missed the deadline since for for reasons that was like on me. You know, you have, might have like technical difficulties with the live view and T V U, but I never never look back after that and you know the rest is the rest is history. But it was a pretty fun, fun time uh experiencing that, the the lows and the highs of being able to go from am I gonna am I built for this? Am I gonna to survive to yeah, this is this is me. I'm, I'm the one in charge here of my own destiny and it ain't going to, I'm not going to fold. That's not how Williams is operating.
0: I like that. I like that. Is, is that a family motto where you get that from your family? Is that?
1: No, no, it's not a, it's not a family motto, but it's just something that uh, came out, you know, today uh, because that's the, I didn't know it at the time, but that's the, the mindset that, that I had or you need to get it done. And the motto in our family, you know, is we never give up. We don't, we don't quit. And when things go poorly, we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. And, and I did feel sorry for myself. Um, I knew why I went into this industry. And I, I just needed to have a better grasp of how to move in the workforce to make sure that I did a great job uh, at my storytelling, but also Getting it done in a timely fashion,
0: well, it sounds like you have done a great job of that throughout your career so far, and just this more time that we've gotten through so far, we still got to catch up to New York, but I know you went you went to Wisconsin, right, you said it was like a two year sentence yes, yes what was, was the years. hardest thing about being in Wisconsin? It had to be a culture shock I mean it had it, well, it was
1: it, it was a culture shock, the hardest thing. getting a a damn haircut, right, that, you know, um, outside of professionally. I remember I found, or my mom was looking, when we moved to, when I moved to Wisconsin, you know, my parents took me up, very grateful for that, and we were in a hotel before we, before I found a place, I found an apartment, and she was, you know, concerned that I wasn't gonna find anybody who knew how to cut black hair, and so she- (laughs) She saw somebody, there was a caterer, a chef, I think, a black chef at this hotel. She's like, yeah, do you know anybody who can cut black hair? You know, my son's moving here in Wausau, Wisconsin, and he'll need somebody to shape him up, blah, blah, blah. And was like, yeah, I mean, you know, my girlfriend. And they happened to be a biracial couple, and she was able to, she knew how to cut my hair. Uh, there were some things that went on, uh, wow. or she said some, well, yeah, she said N-word. She was just using N-word. Freely, you know, because she had kids that were black. And <laughs> I just remember saying, yeah, I can't, I can't do this, you know. So long story. And to give you the backstory, story, that only took me, you know, 20 minutes to get from my apartment to, to her shop. After that happened, where I had to ask her, uh, figuratively, obviously, uh, she or I found barbers through the players, the Green Bay Packers players, I, when you know I would go up there for reports, say hey, you know, talk to. I, I remember vividly it was uh, uh, Shields, Sam. Was it Sam Shields? It was, he wore number thirty-seven. He was a, a safety. And sounds right. I remember, yeah, man. I'm trying to look for a barber. You know, I don't have anybody back in Warsaw. He said, yeah, you know, I got you. And so he gave me his contact, and that worked for a little bit. But then that barber became flaky. And I was in Green Bay, hour and a half away. Then I found another barber that cut some Packers players' hair. He was flaky as hell. I would drive out <laughs> all the way there only to find out, oh, his car, it wasn't starting. And his wife or baby miles, whatever, you know, had to take it. I said, you got to be kidding me. I do, I'm drove, i doing a three-hour commute round trip. And you're telling me I, I can't see you. You know, like wh- I need to look professional on air. The last time, or the end result, or the last barber that I had was in Milwaukee, which was a three-hour drive from Wasaw. So you know <laughs> I needed to build out a considerable amount of time on my off day, it, no, basically probably the whole day. Yeah. It's a little, little bit less than a whole work day,
0: yeah,
1: uh, to get to Milwaukee and come back. Uh, but yeah, that, that's probably the hardest thing and you know personally but also working with individuals who wanted to stop my growth and how i had to navigate that toxic environment toxic environment i think really was difficult for me because i'm new there i'm just getting my feet wet i don't want to step on any toes but i also want to be myself and you know i had many conversations with my parents and other people in the industry about how I should address those type of comments or, you know, that type of atmosphere. And I ended up navigating it or I ended up being able to do a little bit of both where I would satisfy, you know, my boss. And then also I would make sure to also show my full personality as well. That way I would have a better reel at the end of the day. I remember Jay Harris telling me from ESPN, like, you need to get out of there. Like, if you can't be yourself, you need to go. I couldn't do that. I didn't have the, the confidence to do that. And I felt like I could stick it out. Uh, so the compromise for me was I won't do as much sometimes. But then when there, when there are other moments, you know, I'm going to flex my creative juices to the fullest, uh, to the maximum amount, just so that I feel I'm going to have the best tape possible when I leave here.
0: So you just kind of had to learn how to pick and choose your spots. Type yeah,
1: day. pretty much pick and choose. That's, that's the gist of it.
0: One thing that sticks out to me about you is that you find a way to take away positives from all of this, from all of this. And that's, that's very commendable.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I've been a, I've been a big proponent or just a big believer in trying ever since, you know, my dad passed, trying to figure out what I can learn from difficult situations and they taught me that, as well, but it really came into full focus, you know, after my dad passed away and understood, okay, what what does this mean for me when they're telling me I can't do XYZ or I have to do this and focus on okay, well I learned what not to do, uh, you know, in my future jobs or I learned how not to operate or how not to lead, you know, a group of people. Um and I, you know, that's that's something I always uh, take with me, you know, to this day.
0: I didn't know your your dad passed where, where does that fall in the timeline
1: oh that was, that was in twenty uh 2017 february february twenty fourth that's when he he passed away he died of, died of cancer and you know is a uh, it's a major shock to to all of us um but i know i know he's proud proud of me now and that was that his death came at the end of my contract in Wisconsin he died february 24th my contract ended in march 3rd you know which was really tough because i was i looked forward to going back home and getting out of that place not specifically Wisconsin but just that newsroom where i worked at uh, and being able to go see them. but uh yeah when he passed you know it just as you can imagine, you know, wrecked, wrecked all of us in our, in our family. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's kind of how it was when my grandma, it was so sudden and out of the blue and yeah. she was, she was the center of our family. So. Yeah. See, that's, yeah, that's the worst because
1: you just don't know, you don't prepare for that. You don't know how to, and yeah, it's really emotionally draining to say the least.
0: Yeah, my my dad's been dealing with cancer and cancer-related fallout for like three years now, so I definitely know how harrowing that can be as well. So, yeah, definitely feel you on that, and I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. But I I do agree. I do agree. He's very proud of you. So that happened like a week before you left Wisconsin, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we knew that he, he was on his last leg, so to speak, because we had seen him, my siblings and I, we came up to see him that week, actually, because I remember yeah, I saw him for a few days. I left on left on Thursday. I think I was there from like Monday to Thursday. Left on Thursday. And then I got back Friday, early Friday. My car got stuck in a ditch or veered uh, off on into a ditch on the highway because the snow... Snow was coming down hard. The roads weren't clear, and I didn't have a lot of gas as well. I'm trying to make sure I don't die in a car. And then, if you know, somebody helped, got the car. I was able to make it back. But I learned, like, 20 or 30 minutes before I was supposed to go on air, you know that that he had passed. So I still had to go on air. And that was just a really yeah, it was just an awful, awful day all around. Yeah. So you're back in DC. So I'm in- back back I'm back in DC in March and I'm applying to different places within the Tegna market because before my father had passed, we were looking at options to we we're looking at places. Well one, we were looking at prospective agents, and then two, uh he had a connection with one of his coworkers at his law firm who used to represent uh, Tegna. And he put in a good word for me for somebody high up there. And she was pushing, she sent out my reel to different places that had openings. And long story short, eventually found WSA 9 in DC, where I was a part-time sports reporter, uh, you know, feature, feature reporter, human interest really, and eventually fill an anchor. Uh, but i w- I was there for a year and year and three months. So I got the job in june july twenty seventeen and then you know i left in in november of well late october early november of twenty eighteen uh, and that that's where that place taught me a lot about how people you know see you and how they care for you because I lost, I lost all my mojo and my, my swagger, so to speak, because my dad was no longer there. He was my biggest fan. He'd always you know, hype me up to his friends when they would come over and show my reel to them. And he'd always have this one one clip where he'd get really excited. Well, yeah, he'd have one clip where he'd get really excited. And he'd, sure he'd be like, yeah, listen to, this, listen to this part. Watch this part. Uh, he, would not, he would not let anybody leave the house before watching the reel, and it just really underscored the love that he had for his, for his children and, and showing them off. Um, but I, but my point is I told my bosses that, you know, what I was going through, I'm trying my best, you know, I'm not in the best headspace, but I'm doing everything I can. And they understood, they were very, um, understanding and appreciative of my honesty And I learned a lot about how to be a great storyteller and not just a a good one because the standard there elevated to another place that I didn't know or I, I wasn't accustomed to because I'm coming from market 184 in Wisconsin to D.C., you know, top 10 market, and the expectations are so much higher. And you know that, but it's harder when I, when you've dealt with, you know, very tragic experiences and you're still trying to find your voice as a young, as a young sports anchor and reporter.
0: Yeah. that That's a big jump, especially with all that going on. Yeah. And then you follow that up with an even bigger jump.
1: Yep. Follow that up with a bigger jump. You know, I went to interview for the Y job through my agent at the time and, I went back twice because they wanted to see me anchor not just, you know, a few few minutes here, a few minutes there, but they wanted to see me anchor a full 30-minute show because, mind you, when I'm working in D.C., I only, filled, I only did fill-in work for my, for my boss, who was one of my mentors, even before we started working together, Darren Haynes, and I only did two-minute, you know, two, three-minute sports hits things of that nature, nothing nothing crazy. So they were like, yeah, we need to see you do a full show, right? We want to see how you can talk to people in the crosstalk, your ad-libbing skills. I got a little nervous for both of the opportunities, but I knew this is what, you know, I have been waiting for because during that whole time when I worked in D.C., I'm looking for other jobs. I applied for, I say applied for, but, I was up for the Brooklyn Nets sideline reporter gig that Michael Grady has now, who does a great job. He, he eventually, yeah, he got it. But I was the last, I was the, the second candidate uh, between, or second in line. I didn't get it, you know, so I kept plugging away at DC it wasn't going to work out right. It just wasn't meant to be. And then a year later, I find S and Y and I'm working in the number one market just as I would have been if I landed the the next job. And, but I had a choice between the Cavaliers sideline reporter gig and S in November or October of uh, 2018. And my mom and I, and my mentors, but particularly my mom and I, we did a lot of research about the cons and pros of what I would get out of both jobs and, ended up being a pretty good deal for S and Y or it made more sense to go to SNY where I would be able to experience more things and get to do uh a lot more work that I would would enjoy. Um more I guess be more stability as well. But working in the number one market, the connections that you can make. There's so many teams out there. Um, Cleveland it was it was gonna be a really quick turnaround for me getting the job from like getting a job to going on the road and covering their first preseason game and not that I couldn't have done that but I just felt more comfortable with living in the with working at SNY and the opportunities that they would offer me to help me advance my career gotcha. both places would, would have been great um, but New York is the one that I decided on.
0: You keep coming back to new york
1: yeah <laughs> something
0: some about new york right? i know man
1: never never could imagine it you know before before i hit 25 before i hit yeah uh, i was 25 then about to turn 26 you know I, i'm working in new york If you told me that when i was growing up when i started out in this business i'd say yeah that's uh, that's a pipe dream
0: yeah um, yeah i know that feeling all too well and yeah. it, it's awesome your story like it's just really awesome like I love I love what I didn't know any of this about you I knew where you were now didn't know how you got there but I appreciate you sharing it with me it's really very inspiring as well
1: no that means a lot man um that's that's one of my passions to inspire, inspire inspire people and propel them or um compel them to live out their dreams and take a chance, take a leap, take a leap of faith in what they want to do. Uh, but, but yeah, you you'll never know because people people always see see the glory. One of my friends in the industry, uh, Jamarcus Fitzpatrick, uh, he he said, "Yeah, you know, they know they see the glory, but they don't know the story or, or some some corny rhyme." But I, I like <laughs> I like the rhyme. Um, it's real. Yeah, it, it is. There's so much that goes behind you know, or there's so much that people go through to end up in these positions of power or just, you know, more influence in a bigger, a bigger microphone uh, that you'll never know unless you, unless you ask.
0: Yeah. You, You know, you talked about inspiring others and that's, that's one thing I appreciate about you on Twitter. You're all the time tweeting out inspiring things and supporting people in the media and I appreciate what you put out there. That's one reason why I wanted to have you on here. But what does that mean to you to know that you're inspiring others, especially people of, you know, all different ages, but especially like black people, you talked about, you know, going to Wisconsin and not having a lot of black people around you. And it's for what it is, it's, you know, a media thing. It's still not as many black voices and black reporters as there should be. So what does it mean to you knowing that not only that you are one of those that the people look up to, but knowing to inspire them, in their in their goals it, it lets me
1: know that I'm doing something right, and I picked the right the right path, the right career field for me, and also I think it taps into the values that my my parents instilled, and that makes me really, really happy because I know all they've ever wanted for us to do is to make people feel included and and feel like they're the most special person. In the room. That was something that my father was really good at. You, you know, you talk to anybody, he would give his full undivided attention. And then my mom, she always told us to make the world a better place, right? As a kid, you, you know, you might shrug it off or oh, that's annoying, mom. But as an adult, you look back at that at those moments and those conversations, and you say, Wow. I'm I'm very lucky, very grateful, very blessed to have had a mother who would share that or want to spread that positivity, that message to her kids to make sure when they grow up, they're able to, you know, continue that on with the next generation and, and so on. So it is a, a responsibility and a platform that I take very seriously um, because I know that there are people watching me and, they appreciate what I do and I'll never, never stray away from that, but it's extremely humbling because you don't really know how much of impact you're making sometimes. Like I've dealt with imposter syndrome to this day and I don't know if, when or if it will ever go away, but getting, you know, these type of interactions with you know people like yourself and, and others who have, you know, send me direct messages and, Uh, tweets and all that it's very it's it's an honor because that's what my calling is it it, it don't have to be about sports it's just it's about inspiring others to live out their dreams and to make sure they feel valued if I know I'm making you feel appreciated and loved then I've I've done my work you know and and it brings me great joy
0: it sounds like you've had a great support system around you you know throughout all of your life and now you're passing that on to others whether it be through social media or like this or whatever it may be through and shining a light yeah light. yeah that's
1: that's the goal man that is that's my purpose it's a lot of darkness so I try to turn that darkness out and uh, bring the light you know push the darkness out with light as uh, I think, yeah, I think I'm okay, yeah, I think he said that, but the point is, yeah, I like to bring light yeah. and and laughter to
0: people, yeah, and that that's what it's all about people don't people don't value that as much in the world now, I think personally, in my opinion, so,
1: yeah, no, they don't, you know why, because a lot of people are just worried about themselves and their egos. They're not concerned with how they're affecting other people and how their words and actions may come across to individuals. And there's also a lot of, I think, self-hate and projecting projecting your feelings onto somebody else. Uh, That's why somebody's having a bad day or they respond in a very harsh manner. No, when I was less mature, like I'm striking back. I know when you throw a right hook, I'm gonna throw a left hook. Now I say I don't know what you're going through, bro or sis, but clearly you're not in the right, you know, headspace and I pray for you to get better and operate in a capacity where you're able to not be so angry at society. Um so yeah, you, you hit it right on the head. A lot of people don't value that. And there are a myriad of reasons for that. Yeah.
0: The, the world and the way it's set up really puts so much emphasis on the individual as opposed to the to the group. Yes. Yeah. But I think seeing you and knowing that you and other people around you still value that and prioritize that and put that out into the world, it it definitely is a nice change of pace. Whether it be on the timeline or on the TV, wherever it may be, yeah, definitely a good change of pace. Speaking of changes of pace, let's dive into some W stuff to okay. end this out. All right, in in this out. So, like I said, I met you through W Twitter. That's that's how I came across you. It's how you came across me. So, so how did you get into the league? You know, that's a funny,
1: really funny question, Bailey. Because I was thinking about that the other day. And I don't know. I'm attracted to certain certain players in terms of their style of play. Like I, I was a big Diana Taurasi fan growing up. Stone Cold it. didn't give a damn, you know what I'm saying? She gonna she gonna shoot a three right in your eye, and then she's gonna tell you all about it, you know, on the way down back the court. Uh, I loved her mentality. Candace Parker, obviously, swing cash. You know what I'm saying? Tameka Ketchings, Hodges, Claw, And I can't really pinpoint a time where I was like, yeah, I want to watch women's sports. It's just something that, from the day I can remember, I had an interest in. Now, I will say that my interest was not as intense uh, as it is now. And I think part of that is because of, you know, the sexism in this world, the misogyny, that exists in how you're, you know, subconsciously influenced by it. Uh, but if there was a game on that I wanted to watch, you know, as players that I really enjoyed watching, I'm turning it on. You know, Ivory Latta, you know, another going back, an O.D. from UNC, Shannon Bobbitt. Uh, there's so many, you know, the the Paris twins um, in, in, uh, at Oklahoma back in the day. I, I was a big college basketball fan, right? And I think, and I would watch that, you know, all the time. But then the WNBA is kind of, I don't know if it had to do with the marketing or just the availability, but there wasn't that same level of uh, attention given to it, even though I'd still watch, still watch the games when they were on, you know, national, national television or a TV channel that I could, that I could watch like, oh, I want to watch this. But now um and i think it started in the i think it started uh during the pandemic you know the bubble and i think i gained a, a much more i gained a lot of appreciation for the players and all the things that they they battled and you know have to go through and the more i watched the game not, you know not just on a casual basis and i'm saying you know this is this is great uh it's awesome awesome type of sports and they're given they're given their all and they're extremely skilled like that's the one thing that always stood out the skill level because the quote-unquote athleticism is not to the degree of the NBA and people high flying jumps and and dunks and all that so from there I'm, I was like I'm all in like let me let me use my platform to amplify the W give them more coverage than they there, because there's so many things wrong that we did beforehand um, that shouldn't have been going on in terms of how we pushed women's sports but in this case women's basketball down like professional women's basketball um now it's i think we have a lot more a lot more allies to women in this in this league and i'm i'm grateful to be one of them and i hope you know, I can keep getting better because I know there's always more that we can do. And but, but yeah, my job is to, you know, uplift these these women and and show them in ways that um, they haven't been displayed in before. But yeah, it's a beautiful brand of basketball. Beautiful brand of basketball. I mean, you talk about Courtney Banderslue, you know, Allie Quigley, you know, you, you know, people always talk about Sue She she obviously gets all her flowers and that's well and dandy. But there's so many athletes in this league who are supreme talents and you, you have to be intentional about watching it to make sure yeah you fully grasp how amazing these athletes are. Not to mention they're going overseas and playing in these leagues and then they got to come back, right? You know, mm-hmm. because of the money factor, money factor situation. Um, I think they're doing great things with the uh, Athletes Unlimited. Uh, Natasha Cloud, shout out, shout out to her. She is phenomenal. I love everything that she does, um, you know, on the court as well as off the court. I think she is a really great ambassador for the game and also for the community in D.C. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, that's, there was never really a, a moment where I said, I'm going to be investing in women's basketball. because I like watching great sporting events and I love particularly the, the college women's game and then also uh, certain players on different teams. Like I said, I was attracted to how they played. It was must-see TV. So to Simone, Simone Augustus, Sylvia Fowles, you know what I'm saying? It just yeah. things that are popping in my head right now because I remember them so vividly, all the battles that they had, whether
0: it was college or professionally, you know, I just wanted to watch. And It's pretty interesting. A couple of points you made in there stuck out to me. I think one of them is specifically, it seems like more people during that, that time, like when you were younger and when I was younger, more people followed the college to the W. There's a more established pipeline than there is now. It seems like now people are still more I'm either going to be a college fan or a W fan. There's not as much overlap and it's interesting because it feels like college fans are a lot more diehard and a lot bigger, especially with social media, but they don't seem to translate as well all the time. They'll maybe follow a player or two or their, their alums, but they don't follow teams as closely. Um, I, I think that's very interesting. Something that I think the W should look to capitalize on whether that means trying to center teams in expansion closer to those college towns, you know, maybe closer to South Carolina, or um, if maybe the sun did something more tight with you, whatever it may whatever, maybe yeah. something like that uh, would be definitely interesting. And, you know, you touched on the media coverage. And I remember earlier you were talking about telling stories and the W is full of so many untapped stories yeah, that I think are just phenomenal. I'm actually trying to work out, uh, another pod with a player of mine that we've become friends. And I think her story is incredible. I'm going to keep the name under wraps that for now. Right? Yeah. But, Hold your source uh, to your chest. Yeah. A little, a little sneak peek, but I think her story is incredible. I haven't seen much of anyone talking about it. Like I think it deserves. And so we're going to try to get that in, the, in there, but I definitely think having more voices looking to tell stories as opposed to just provide coverage or right. break news. Cause there's in, in media, there's a bunch of different lanes, yeah, And I think the storytelling lane is very popular with W fans, especially.
1: You know, I don't know if it's, I think it needs to be more popular, right? I think there are not enough stories told, but as far, yeah, from a fan perspective, I think that's something they have always wanted more of. Uh, so I do agree there that it's popular, but they're not as, there's, like you said, there's so many experiences and stories that these women have that are not being uh, brought to light, and that's a disservice to, to the game. But, you know, I do think hopefully the WNBA will get their, their act together and look to capitalize on that because why do people gravitate towards the NBA? Why is NBA Twitter, you know, so popular? Because of the drama, because of stories, right? They're compelling pieces of content, we need that with the W as well. Doesn't have to be all on drama based, but that's part of it. However, when you see some of the things Candace Parker won Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same year, almost had a triple-double in her first game, and she was pregnant. That's a whole story in itself. You can do a whole documentary about that. And there are okay. many other stories, um, you know, like hers, um, and others that stray away from that that are going to be really fascinating. So I'm hopeful, uh, you know, in a couple of years, you know, there'll be more expansion teams and, and there'll be more, more of intentional focus to spotlight these, these incredible athletes.
0: And I think one interesting thing about the W that you don't see as much on the NBA side, and I think it'll be a really unique and very powerful route is that a lot of these women are starting to tell the stories on their own. Chanae made the yep. the bubble documentary. Yeah. You see, Players like Monique Billings going into broadcasting, Renee Montgomery going into broadcasting. They're they're making their own platforms, essentially. And I think that is very interesting and it's a very good thing for the league going forward. I also think that back to another point you made that slipped my mind a few minutes ago. When people watch the W, they compare it to the NBA too much. I think you have to watch it and Treat it like you do the NBA without comparing it to the other. So you have to look at it like these are the top 144 women in the world, just like the NBA has the top what 500 ish yeah. men in the world. And instead of looking at it and saying, "Well, if Candace Parker is like the LeBron James of the NBA, why can't she, you know, fly through the air?" And like she used to could one and two. Like right. that's not a realistic thing. It's just not what it is. So I think a lot of people need to change their their viewing lens in terms of that going into that but you talked about marketing and things you are in one of the w's hottest markets what's what's the marketing impact like there in new york for the w joe si has really shown that he's one to spend money and i think him and mark Davis putting been pressure on the league what is it like in the location though
1: you know i haven't been able to fully grasp or understand the market for the WNBA or for the liberty because I haven't been able to go to any games because it's COVID. Uh, right. Or, you know, just didn't work out on my off days. Um, but I do from a outside perspective, you know, looking in, it's, it's amazing because we see the spotlight that's, you know, been shown on Sabrina Ionescu. And even though, you know, her, her talent or production, you know, hasn't really, warranted that type of coverage, it's it's good to see people pour in certain resource pouring resources to uplift uh these WNBA players on the Liberty. And well I like like what Skylar Diggins Smith said to I think it was Jasmine Jones or she said to Liberty, but I think also Jasmine Jones uh, about you know focus on you know amplifying and spotlighting more than just you know, one player. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've noticed how it can be a little tense because you are seeing a uh, um, coverage for certain players uh, in a dis- disproportionate manner compared to players who are doing better than them, like a Benajan lady, right? Um, who we've been trying to get her more more attention, you know, her her face in front of the camera more because of what she was doing for the team. And I also think it's a wonderful thing what Josiah and, you know, his, his wife are, are doing to pay the money and to go all out on these teams because people will come if you have a compelling product and if you know how to market it right. And I think they're still in the early stages of that, but there's a lot of there's a lot of hope, uh, especially you know with Jewel Lloyd, you know, taking a visit down there or down here in the city, and uh, Brianna Stewart, what she what she's doing, and how that may be foreshadowing it's going to happen next year. Uh, you know, you see Stephanie Dolson, she signs with the Liberty. And they're giving us, you know, all these different types of stories behind the scenes. So it, it's a fun time to to be a WNBA fan if you're in New York, because there are people there who move the needle and people who generate a lot of conversation. Uh namely, namely Sabrina, but it's it's putting a more of a spotlight on on the WNBA as a whole.
0: Yeah. You also have Oh, you know you got Michaela, the rookie of the year. She was in on the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, but that's
1: what happened, you know what I'm saying? Right. You, because you hear so much about Sabrina, you forget about yeah, rookie of the year, Michaela wedding right? Didi's All, right there, popping Didi up Didi on Didi Instagram, Richards. TikTok. Okay. On they they killing it with the fashion. Let me, mind, you know, yeah. see that that's the problem. I'm not even thinking about Didi Richards or Michaela yeah. on Yenwede, uh, because they haven't been pushed to the forefront of the of the game because of certain agendas and certain racial biases, I think, when it comes to how the WNBA markets different players. And it's, so, it's yeah, I'm been glad scientifically. Brought up those players.
0: It's been scientifically proven in that study last year that showed the different biases in the coverage. And unfortunately, none of that necessarily falls on Sabrina, but you know, I I, I thought it last year a couple of times where it seemed like players really turned up against her played her a little extra hard, had a little more motivation against her. Um, But some people put all the blame on her when I really don't think she has any reason to be blamed. Um, It's unfortunate, but there definitely is a certain level of bias and, and the W definitely has to get around that some way, somehow, but I do think Josiah along with Mark Davis spending, putting their money where their mouth is and really promoting and cut covering fees or Mark yep. Davis throwing Becky Hamm in a bag yep. like yep. those are things that are going to put pressure on the other teams and while it may be a little uncomfortable that's what is necessary for growth and I think that's that's one thing but you know back to your point about the media I think the W media does a pretty decent job about being conscious of that but it's some of the bigger bigger yes. names that that contribute to exactly to that so but to go back to delivery for a second, you talked about Brandon Stewart taking a visit, Jewel Lloyd taking a visit, Steph Dolson. Got any thoughts on free agency across the league or even in New York? Any, any notables I, that stuck out to you?
1: You know, I think for me, well, the one that stuck out to me was, um, you know, Vandersloot being disrespectfully or yeah, her, Reportedly getting a disrespectful deal from from James Wade and the Chicago Sky because there is no reason why they should be lowballing her after the way she performed. You know, Candace Parker took them over the top. Let's be real. They're not making it. They're not winning the finals without her, her IQ. They're not winning the final without her facilitation right. and being a great playmaker. They're just not um so that's what that's what stuck out to me Liz Cambage you know going off i shouldn't say going off but expressing her frustration with how the league uh, allows for a coach to be paid four times the salary of a supermax player and i think she was referring to Brianna Stewart who's i think it's only like over 200,000 or something and Becky Hammond's making uh, over 1 million for for the Aces uh, that those those um those moves and comments, you know, stuck out to me. You know, Diamond and Shields, you know, probably did that. Uh, was that official going to Phoenix? Still just a rumor. Her yeah, still is a rumor. Sense. That would be that would be very interesting. Uh, not surprising, just because you saw in Chicago that it wasn't going to work out. Didn't really find her role uh, this year, even though we thought she was going to be special. Uh, for them and it's time for her to <laughs> it's time for her to move on yeah um, but yeah the the jewel Lloyd, the brianna stewart's those stuck out to me just for them taking the visits you know i think the new york liberty they're not going to be they're gonna i think they're going to take another step hopefully um sabrina's able to improve her her speed and quickness in terms of being able to battle against other guards and banagia laney you know elevates her game as well Dee, Dee richards i think She's going to be a problem once um, she gets more confident and acclimated to the WNBA game. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if there's, oh, Asia Wilson coming back to the Aces, uh, Sue Bird going back to Seattle. Who knows what's going on with uh, Diana? I'm pretty sure she's going to be back for Phoenix. Seems but like you haven't happens. really seen too many uh, shockers besides, you know, I mean, I guess you can call Stephanie going to, um, the Liberty of chakra, but not, not really. It's not that, that much of a surprise. Um, Cause she want to go where the party's popping. Yeah. You got her ring. She did her part. Girl was given the Chicago sky fans headaches. Uh, sometimes we take those uh, ill-advised threes, but she was always due to make one or two like, okay. And then she made, you know, some great plays down the stretch and, the wma finals but yeah that's that's really what stood out to me is how it's been a pretty tame
0: free agency for what we thought might be a lot really chaotic and i think it's setting up for chaos in a year or two yes next year yeah. and a year after it might be but nah the fact that jewel two years
1: uh with seattle so i guess it'll be her team because brianna Found only signed in a one-year supermax Come on now. Yeah. We are she going back for Sue. Jewel's going back for Sue. And maybe she wants Seattle to be her team. But we know Brianna, she ain't she will not be missing Seattle uh <laughs> after Sue's last year. I, I, I know that. Stu York. Stu York. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, but, you need to um, trademark that. You know, if it comes, put that down. I'm, yeah, that's a good one. I'm gonna
0: have to I'm gonna <laughs> credit you. I'm gonna credit you with that. Uh but that's yeah, that's a funny one. <laughs> But, yeah, and I, I think Steph will be a good fit for the Liberty, who I also think will take steps forward. She'll allow everyone to kind of play more of their natural positions, in my opinion. Being that five, you move Natasha Howard to a four, and Michaela yeah. goes back to a three. Uh, Didi can come in and play kind of one, two, three. Benazi yeah. goes back to a two, three. It, it just kind of yeah. shifts everything. They didn't really have a big body presence like they would have with Steph Nelson.
1: Yeah. And
0: nah. I don't know what type of offense they're going to have under Bondello but if they try to boot off the they did last year, she'll fit well with that spacing, that kind of open floor, pick and roll heavy. So that I think that is one of the better signings from the free agency period. The two the two biggest head scratchers for me were Courtney Williams back to the sun. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: how could I? Yeah, see, we got lost in the soft because, yeah, Courtney
0: Williams going back to the sun. What, what, what are we doing, man? What, what are and, we doing? And the thing about it is that she really fits what they needed—a perimeter yeah. creator, a yeah. two-way player. But they're gonna have a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah, and I'm very curious to see what Kurt Miller does with that. And then the Dream have been very quiet, which was yeah, kind of, going? kind of unexpected. I don't know what they're, what they got going on. But I don't know, bro. Because everybody expected them to throw money at everybody because right. they had so much to give, right?
1: You think, yeah, maybe they're throwing money at Liz. Maybe they're trying to get, you know, uh, Asia Wilson, all, all these other players. And no, nope, not so far. I mean, they got Meg Walker. Shout out to her. You know, UConn.
0: um Vaughn, They made a trade. Okay. They made a trade for Kia Vaughn to yeah, open Kea up the Yeah, Kia Vaughn. Things. Okay, cool. All right. They, they uh, re-signed Tiffany Hayes, even though she subtweeted Kennedy multiple times. Wait,
1: that's why I said, yeah, <laughs> well, I don't know what's going to go on with Kennedy. Um, over there, I'm hopeful it works out because she's a dynamic talent from everything that I've seen. And I yeah, I hope yeah, I hope she's able to flourish and they take care of her well because she don't deserve the type of treatment that she got. People joke like man, they had her in a dungeon, you know what I'm saying? They had her locked away uh for basically the entire year after that altercation. And didn't address it. I think that's one thing people were very upset about—the lack of transparency from the Dreams Management side—and how that rubbed people the wrong way. Like, come on, you gotta gotta give some in the the fight, you know, with Courtney and uh, who who else was it? With the with the it Wasn't Bradford? Uh, who was the other big name that was in that fight at Tenders and
0: Bites? It it was Crystal Bradford. She's the one. It was that Crystal? The Brad- that's what I thought.
1: Yeah. But Crystal, Crystal going to, she's
0: going to, going to Chicago. To, yeah, she's going to Sky. Yeah, you know, which is she got fit. out of there? So good. so good,
1: so yeah, man, she is special to watch. Uh yeah, their Chicago Sky are going to be if they do it. I mean, it doesn't look that well now, but if they keep Vander Sloot and and Ali, uh in addition to everybody else and who they've added. Gonna be nasty. Oh, um was it Emma Emma uh, Yeah, Emma yeah. Her going come on, man. That is a- a- gonna be loaded.
0: If they lock in a slew, I don't see any reason why they don't go back to back. No, nah, they they they, they should be the favorites. Really they, don't. They should be the favorites. So on that note, before we get out of here, give me one hot prediction for next W season. One hot prediction?
1: So it's gotta be wild, right?
0: It ain't got to be, but just give me something
1: hot. Okay. All right. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Chicago Sky will win their second straight title, and Candace Parker will win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year.
0: Ooh. Yeah, that's what I'll say. I love it. I asked for spicy. He gave it to me. I I did. You know what I'm saying? Like the Hey, and one last thing while we're on a W shout out some of your favorite W Twitter people too. Okay. So we got
1: to start with uh Tarika Frost, uh, Tarika Foster Brasby. Uh, very great ESPN personality is finally getting some shine in front of the camera about damn time. Uh, got to give it up for, you know, the girl Shawnee uh, Memino Kerr as her handle is known on Twitter for now. She's one of the greatest. Just her knowledge and also her wittiness and the jokes that she throws around on Twitter. Um, Dolores, I uh, love him. That man goes hard as hell for for Asia. EV talking sometimes I'm like hey, I don't know. I'm like Dolores, you need to chill out in my head. Uh, but he he always keeps it a hundred. Um, who else? Ariel Chambers, come on. You know what I'm saying the WNBA is so important. Can never hype her up enough. Christina Williams. She's finally getting the respect she deserves as a a newsbreaker, you know, so to to speak, the woge of WNBA. Uh, But, you know, I like to call it, you know, she's just the Christina. Because we do the the male comparison, I don't know, sometimes I feel like it lessens their impact or it brings it down, like, why you always got to be compared to a man. But she is doing a lot of uh, great things over there. Um, Miles Elric. As well as somebody that I respect, his work. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else that I missed out. Uh, Taraji P. Hinchman—that's her <laughs> Twitter name. I don't. i bro. I
0: love it. I love it. That's yeah. such a great name. Yeah, it is. It always has
1: me dying. Uh, Melanie Page. Can't wait to see her. Can't retire. Doc documentary focus on the, the DMV area. Uh, Rashad Milligan, I always give love to my boy, and I think, yeah, if I miss anybody, I apologize. You know, I don't want to sit here for five minutes and try to think of all names, but there's so many people in the WNBA Twitter sphere, especially what we call it, East Side Twitter or South yep. Side Twitter. I forget yeah, what it East is. Side. Yeah, East Side Twitter that are that are holding it down and give you the personality, but also the insights and the the knowledge that you need if you're trying to be smarter as a basketball fan. So those are the people that I would shout out. Oh, Rashad. Boy boy's always getting blocked. Uh yeah, Rashad. Uh oh that's a, no yeah, that's uh Christina's brother. Um yeah, I th- I think that's yeah, her brother cuz I remember he said it. Yeah. Um yeah, shout out to him as well.
0: I love it. That's a good group. That's a good group that really encapsulates what W Twitter is about. That's a little bit of everything. <laughs> Right, but I think that about wraps it up for what I had. Do you have anything else you want to say or touch on before we get out of here?
1: Nah, man, uh, it's been a really great, fulfilling conversation. You never know how much in common you have with somebody, and I, I just feel like, you know, we were, we we're shooting the breeze, and it, it didn't didn't even feel like a like an interview, really. So I, I like to, I always enjoy these type of quote-unquote interviews because it feels effortless and free-flowing
0: i appreciate you you know coming on and but yeah i mean i I wanted to start off with you and i appreciate you you know being my first guest nah thank you so much man i'm humbled and it's honor
1: and we will continue to fight the good fight and keep striving for greatness